0: When I was an army chaplain, my soldiers asked me all kinds of questions about God, life, relationships, the Bible, and I answered them as best I can, could uh, with stories I picked up along the way. They also called me Padre. So welcome to the Dear Padre podcast, where I try to answer some questions that are swirling around in our world today. And I guess the question we're working on today is, are bad things that happened to me the result of bad things I did? When I was younger, does God wait for us for that moment and then pays us back for what we did, how we've sinned, how we've let people down? Well, there's a story from the life of Elijah that tries to answer that question for us. So I hope you can listen to it and think of your own life and the relationship between Sowing and reaping, cause and effect, karma, law, and then grace. We are introduced to Elijah in this chapter, Elijah the Tishbite um, from Gilead, and he is the main prophet who, who fights against Ahab. Uh, the fight turns physical, but at this point, it is a battle of water, the battle of the rain. Water is a limited resource in what we call the Middle East, still is, and it was in that day as well, although there was more water in that day than there is now. And there were these places called wadis, and there still are wadis. If you go over there today, you'll see lots of wadis. Wadis are basically dry valleys or creek beds, arroyo, I think what we call them here. Uh, And they're dry most of the year, but occasionally they have water flowing in them. And Elijah's wadi dries up. Um, Remember, it was Elijah who predicted that there wouldn't be any rain. So he can't complain too much, when the effects of the famine have an effect on him, he's the one that started this. He is the one confronting Ahab. If you want to attack a political leader, a king, or somebody in power, uh, one of the ways to do that is to cut off resources to everybody. And that's what God does. He says, it's not going to rain until I say it's going to rain. There's nothing the king can do about this. And it seems like there is something Elijah can do about this. He's the only one. And the Lord sends him to this faraway land outside of the covenantal area of Israel and Judah, sends him to this widow in Zarephath near Sidon. This is right near where the Syrophoenician woman meets Jesus from last Sunday's sermon. On the coast way up there in the north on the coast uh, where jesus is also running away and hiding from people it says he's hiding in a house when she finds him <laughs> uh, the 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 widow or the um excuse me the um syrophoenician woman but here elijah goes to this widow he's specifically told to go to a widow which is really not wise when you're in a midst of a famine and you're needing resources, like you don't go to a widow for help. You go to the place with the most resources. Widows in this time and even in our time and certainly throughout all of human history uh, had very limited abilities to, to provide resources for their kids or their families or for themselves even. And this widow is in a particularly dire place She has decided she's going to gather some sticks. They're going to make one little tiny cake, she and her son, and then they're going to die. The effects of starvation have already started to take their toll. Starvation is one of those things that's been studied a lot, um, both written about and documented in people. It's an awful way to die. Um, Losing even the will to live. L- losing even survival instincts. Many uh, many people have died of starvation and, and the effects of dehydration at our border, our southern border. Many, 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 many people. And the bodies are there today. Uh, we don't think of this happening in the modern world too often, but it does. And here this widow, this woman, has decided that she will have one last meal with her son. And she tells Elijah so matter-of-factly about this. I love this exchange. He's like, bake me a cake. And she's like, I'm going to make one more. It's for my son and me, and we're going to die. Talk about a depressing meal. (laughs) This is the last supper she's going to have. And Elijah meets her in this moment. This is the moment God appointed for them to meet. God told him to go there. God told him to meet her at this place, in this time at this moment. The times that we meet our Elijah's, people that show us a different vision of the way God is in the world, is often at times like this, when all is lost, where there's no hope, where it seems like the normal expectations of life have run out and we don't have anything left. We barely have anything left for our our child or for us. This is the moment of utter despair it is the 11th hour the curtain is closing the veil is drawing and death is near and this is the moment that Elijah comes into her life and Elijah says yeah go home and do that and make another cake for me and I'm telling you that jar of oil that you have jar of olive oil and that flour that you have or meal that's what you have That's not going to run out until rain comes back on the earth. I think it was years of no rain on the earth at that time. Years. This little jar and this little oil is going to last all that time. And this is a statement of faith. And you know what? It happens. This is the promise of God that Elijah goes to live with them up on the upper chamber, up on the roof. Maybe in a rooftop apartment, but maybe just out on the roof. He's out there living under the stars. Uh, and the meal doesn't run out, and the oil doesn't run out. And whenever we think of scarcity in our lives, and the things that are, that are scarce, it might be material things, it might be love, it might be a friendship, it might be acceptance, it might be credibility, it might be all the kind of things that we long for and hope to have and wish we had and maybe had at one time and lost it or whatever it is the oil runs out, the meal runs out. And this is the moment when God comes in and says it won't run out, there'll always be enough. We can see here on this very micro scale with this non-Jewish widow who is not part of the covenant is experiencing the manna in the wilderness, just enough for today. Give us this day our daily bread is the prayer of Jesus. But it's really the prayer of this widow, and it's really the prayer of Elijah. It goes all the way back to the manna in the wilderness, that God feeds them day by day, but not tomorrow, just today, just enough for today. If she had kept pouring that oil out every day to see how much there was in it, I don't know what would have happened. But it seems like she just uses enough for that day, and it never, ever runs out. And the grace of God that is in your life will never, ever run out even when it seems to run out. And the way it seems to run out for this widow is that her son dies. He becomes ill. There's no breath left in him. Uh, It's hard to know what happened to him, Uh, but it's tragic. It's terrible. It's silent. It's sudden. The death of her only child. Now she's faced with this. He's dead. There's no breathing. There's nothing. There's no hope. What she thought would be a death by starvation has now become a death through this other means, which no one knows why. And she's mad. Here she's survived this famine with this prophet in her house who's supposed to bless her, supposed to bring life and joy and blessing. And in fact, he's brought the death of her child, a death that was supposed to happen before. But now it's happened. And she's mad. And she says, what have you against me, O man of God? You've come to bring my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son. In her line, we have an insight into how this stuff works for us too. She is saying, "Whatever what the thing I did or left undone from years ago has now come back to haunt me. And it's taken the life of my son that I did something years ago. I failed in some way. I messed up. I hurt somebody, hurt myself. Uh, Whatever it is, I did something that I know was wrong, and now I'm paying for it. And that's what she says. And Elijah is the witness to this. Elijah is the visiting angel of God who is now paying her back for what she did. Elijah is there to bring her sin to remembrance. And we live in a world like this. Our, when bad things happen to us, our brains scramble for meaning. And we say, why did this happen? And our immediate go-to, generally speaking, for most people is, it's something I did. I did something I did to deserve this, even if it's a death of a child. And you ask yourself, what in the world could a, could a woman do or a person do that would warrant the death of their only child in the middle of a famine? What, what would be deserving of that? What egregious violation of the laws of God would cause the death of this child? It's hard to know, but her brain, her mind goes there immediately to that incident, whatever it was that she never told Elijah about. She never told anybody about it, but here it was, like God was telling her about it, like Elijah was telling her about it, like the whole universe was telling her, bringing back what she did, to remembrance and killing her son. And if the universe works this way, we might as well quit now. If this is how it is, what's the point of living any longer if the stuff we've done comes back to us in this way? In fact, it'd be better to not proceed with life if this is how it works, because then we involve our kids in our crime. God doesn't kill her. She thinks, God kills my son, which is much worse. And so Elijah doesn't argue with her. He doesn't say, well, that's not how it works. He doesn't question it. He doesn't argue with it, even though he might have had some doubts in his mind as this is what was happening. But he takes it to God. He takes it to God right away. He takes the son, give me your son, he barks at her. <laughs> he grabs her son right from her breast. She's, she's clutching her son to her chest and he rips her, son, her dead son away from her. Pretty grisly scene here. Carries his, her son up to his room where he was lodging. It's a chamber, so he's not up on the roof. It's up on the roof, but he's up there. It's a room. And he cries out to God, O Lord, my God, you have brought calamity upon the widow who I'm staying with by killing her son. Have you done this, O God? Did you do this? Elijah doesn't know. He doesn't know what God's going to do, what God has done. We never know, do we? We never know what's happening. And Elijah, even though he's close to God and he can make it stop raining, he doesn't know what happened here. All he can do is bring it to God and say, look at this. Look what you've done. Is this my fault? Did I bring this upon this woman? Uh and ultimately this is all we can do when children die, when dreams die, when hope dies. All we can do is bring that stuff to God and say, "Is this what you're doing? Is this what you want me to do? Is this my fault? Is this what happened? And this is what he does." And then he does this miracle, this ritual enactment of bringing new life. It is It is similar to what God does to Adam in the creation story, that God breathes into Adam the breath of life and he becomes a living soul. And Elijah does this, like stretches out on top of him, this child. And like, he comes back to life right there. Um, I don't know what was happening. I don't know how that worked, but it worked. And next thing you know, there's rejoicing in the house. Elijah says, see, your son is alive. In other words, that the cause and effect, the chain of events of I sinned when I was young, which might have involved the birth of this child, the conception of this child. I don't know. I don't know. What else? Could be a lot of things. But I sinned and now my sin is being paid for by the death of my child. And, it, and this miracle shows that that doesn't work, that doesn't happen. That the cause of chain and effect that we have crafted in our minds of why bad things happen to us is always our own doing, always a manufacturing of our own reality. It is not reality to God. It is not where God lives. It is not how the universe functions. It is what we do when we're scrambling for meaning in the midst of an awful situation. And this is proof. This miracle is proof. He comes back to life to show that this woman, that this person who thinks that what they have done has caused this, that this person is wrong in this cause of chain and effect, cause and effect to the death of her son. And she says, I know you're a man of God. You would think that just having oil not run out and the flour not run out would be enough to know that this was a man of God. And maybe because he had a long beard and a staff and he dressed like a prophet, maybe that would tell her. But you know what? It got real personal with his son. She was okay dying, even okay witnessing the death of her son if they died together, despairing, giving up. But she wasn't okay with this, her surviving the death of her son, her living on her years with their child dead. She wasn't willing to accept that. And neither was God and neither was Elijah. And he came back to life. And this is what it means to be in God. This is what it means. It means that God is unpredictable, even when it comes to miracles, even when it comes to life after death, even when it comes to the stuff we say, it'll never, ever get fixed. It'll never, ever get better. God is over that stuff too, even the little stuff in our lives, even the big stuff in our lives. Amen.